You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. We are back here for day number three, the final day at the NFL Scouting Combine from our coverage. We're going to talk to a bunch of more draft pundits today on the podcast. We have Jordan Reed from ESPN, Ben Solak from The Ringer, Trevor Sykema from Pro Football Focus, and a heck of a lot more. Keep it locked right here. We're not in the Baptist Health Studios. We are in the Indiana Convention Center here from Indianapolis. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Let's go ahead and jump right in first with my interview from Thursday morning with ESPN's Jordan Reed. What's up, Dolphins? Back here again at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis 2023. We're here with ESPN's Jordan Reed. I think fifth or sixth or seventh appearance on Drive Time now. How you doing, Jordan? I'm good, man. It's always a pleasure being here. Looking forward to having you on once again, talking all things quarterbacks as we do our resident quarterback here that we get on the podcast annually. So we'll start with Tua Tungavailoa, who had a really breakout third season in the NFL. What did you see from his development that really encouraged you for his career going forward? Well, it was a lot. And what I liked that Miami did was they not only got the coach in the building, but they surrounded him with a lot of weapons too, bringing over Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle already being there, and then involving Mike Gusecki in the offense a little bit more too. So, I, I mean, he showed some promise, and that's what we wanted to see from Tua entering the, the year that he did. But I think getting those guys really helped him a lot. Um, attacking the middle of the field, and then, of course, taking those deep shots down the field to Tyreek Hill. So I really like what I saw from him. Yeah, he had the, led the league in an average depth of target. I think he had the most accurate deep passing percentage last year, so really kind of checked some of the boxes that maybe folks were concerned about. Is there something he can do next year to take his game to the next level? Because he really, you know, came out of the gates hot, played super well. We had that little bit of a lull, some losses in a row there, had the injuries as well. But what do you think he can do to just take this game to the next level in year number four? Protecting himself. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the big sure. one. Um, learning to slide, not being so competitive as a runner. But that's just to He's always been that way ever since he was back at Alabama, just learning how to slide and protect himself. That's number one. But also getting outside of the run pass option a little bit and being more progression based. And I know Mike McDaniel's offense is heavy RPO laden, but I think they need to let him experiment a little bit as far as progressions, you know, going from one to two, reading right to left, left to right, little things like that. You know how that goes. How difficult is that for a quarterback, for a competitor to not go for extra yardage to just yeah. think about himself in the long term compared to one particular play at a time. Like I would imagine for you, it's like, no, I'm getting those yards. Yeah, it's tough just because you get so used to doing these types of things. And he did at Alabama too. But defensive coordinators, they get paid a lot of money too. So they kind of, with Mike McDaniel's offense, and he's going to learn this as he gets more seasoned as a head coach and that you have to develop a little bit more with your scheme outside of being so heavy RPO um, being more progression-based, and then just getting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and those guys a little bit more involved in the progression-based design of the quarterback. So you can kind of expect a natural progression just from being in the second year of the offense? Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, like I say, with quarterback, being a former quarterback, 
it's like learning a new language when you're learning a new verbiage with this playbook, relaying plays, and then also understanding what you have to do as well, as well as the other 10 guys on the field. So him now being in year two in the offense, I expect him to ascend a little bit more. Yeah, it's, uh, we hope so. I mean, last year was a lot of fun to watch, but um, you know, I think for the Dolphins, in order to really capture what they can maximize their offense, they're going to have to add some more pieces this year. How about in this year's draft class, pick number 52, a couple of picks in the third round. How do you think Miami can address and improve their offense in this year's draft? Offensive line, just because I think they have to protect Tua, obviously, with this situation and everything that he has with uh, guard. I think guard is an area where they could look to address Cody Mott from North Dakota State. I think he's going to be a popular name <laughs> yeah. for Dolphins fans. So Steve Avila from TCU. He's another one that I think would be a really good fit for them as well. And then also tight end. I think this is one of the best classes that we have seen in quite a long time. So I think we could see as many as six or seven guys go inside the top two or three rounds. So um, I think they could explore tight end as well. I laugh at Cody Mock because the whole like teethless yeah. picture. He looks like an offensive pro- line. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> yeah. and it seems like every year at the Senior Bowl we get a player like that. Yeah. Uh, last year it was Quinn Miner. It's right, the, yeah. the belly coming out of the jersey. It's just always fun to watch those guys kind of have their, their moment in the sun after playing small school football for so long. Um, so let's let's keep talking about the offense a little bit because you talked about the tight ends. Let's, let's focus on that position. Is there anybody that you think really kind of can play all three phases from day one? Because no, for the tight end position, yeah. it's tough to learn because run block, Pass pro, pass routes. It's a lot to learn, right? Yeah. Is there a player that you think can come in right away in this year's class and just make an immediate impact to that position? Well, there's three that I like for the Dolphins, and the first one is Darnell Washington. I from love Georgia. this game so much. Yeah, with you know the outside zone scheme that they like to run, he's an extra offensive tackle <laughs> he's when so he's awesome. on the field, and then he's also an underrated pass catcher too. And I know Brock Bowers is the player that a lot of people glorify with Georgia, and rightfully so. He's a great player. But Darnell Washington made that offense go at the tight end position from a run game perspective. So he's one that I would keep an eye on. Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, who was a bit banged up last year. But you talk about somebody that's a Mike Gusecki type of player from an athletic standpoint. I think he's one. And then the last one is Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. He's another one that was a little bit hurt last year, but he's very versatile as far as a blocker and a pass catcher. I haven't heard that name so far. So where do you think he goes off the board? I think second or third round. Okay. I think that's a sweet spot for him. So. They're probably going to have to take him in round two if they want him. I think he's going to be a popular name, especially after he tests here at the combine. You're not kidding about the tight end class being loaded. And, you know, Darnell Washington, I get a kick out of his tape because, like, there's blocks where he clears out DBs, like, with a forearm shiver. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen on tape. And then you have a 6-7 target in the red zone, too. I'm a huge fan of his game. Let's go ahead and pivot and get off just Dolphins topics here for a second. Again, having Jordan Reed, we're going to talk quarterbacks. Four big quarterbacks this year. I think a lot of folks think that when there's not a lot of quarterbacks, like last year at the top of the class, they call it a boring class. I don't always agree with that. But this year, you have a fun class and you have some sizzle here at the quarterback position. How do you kind of stack those top four guys? So I have a Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, number one, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, two, Anthony Richardson from Florida, three, and then Will Levis, four. And all those guys have different flaws in their game, just like any other year with quarterbacks. Bryce, obviously, you're going to hear about the size with him. We'll see what he does end up measuring at. CJ is just, can he consistently play off script? And can he make offensive coordinators right when they call the wrong play? But we saw the grand finale against Georgia, where he had one of the best games of his career. And then the other two guys are going to be labeled as projects. So. All those guys have their flaws. It's just going to be which one you're most comfortable with. So I'm really curious to kind of dive into that because I think it's a good juxtaposition for traits drafting yeah. with, with Levis and Richardson and, and probably Bryce Young to an extent to Stroud, who's more about polished pocket passing, mm-hmm. right? How do you think the NFL is kind of going in terms of that direction? Like Stroud has obviously a lot of value, but are, are teams maybe going more towards, like you said, the project yeah. because of like Josh Allen, because of what Patrick Mahomes has become? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you just have to think. I think the game is catering more towards mobility at the position just because those guys like Peyton and Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, um, Tom Brady to an extent, they just weren't very mobile outside of the pocket. So now you have to get those guys that are more mobile and able to create outside of structure just because those guys on the defensive side, they're only getting better as far as athletes. So you're seeing guys like Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, these guys that are really good athletes. So, And also another great thing about the mobility is that you have that in your back pocket while the mental side of the game is catching up to that part of the game too. So the game is catering more to the mobile aspect of, the, of these quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is a name that comes to mind early yeah, in his career, right? All absolutely. the mobility and kind of just scrambling and making plays happen out there uh, in Seattle. So uh, any other first-round quarterbacks you like this year or is it going to be those four guys? I think those are the four right now. Um, after that, you're going to hear names like Hendon Hooker from UCLA, or excuse me, from Tennessee, Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA, and then also Tanner McKee from Stanford. Any guys in the day, on day three that you think might be good projects that could potentially be that uh, – I guess you're, you're Brock Purdy. Yeah, um, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. He was one that was really impressive down at the Senior Bowl. Kind of has that Taylor, Mine, Taylor Heineke, Case Keenum type to his game. He just has great moxie. He just makes everybody believe. And he doesn't have the most, he's not the most physically gifted guy. He's only about six foot one, 210 pounds at best. But I think he just has that charisma that you love to see at the position. It's a valuable spot if you can get a backup quarterback that late yeah. in the draft, so you'll see, look out for that. Let's go to the other side of the ball here in defense real quick. Just kind of generally speaking about the Dolphins' needs this year, obviously a shift in scheme towards Vic Fangio. Yeah. Who do you like that could be there at pick 52 to improve this Dolphins' defense? Yeah, well, there's a lot of positions of need for the Dolphins right now. I think linebacker is one where I think they could get a little bit better at. Cornerback is another area, and then also safety. So. Um, he's not going to be there for the Dolphins in the second round, but Brian Branch would be one that would be a really good fit. Um, as far as cornerback, Darius Rush from South Carolina. I think he's one that would be a great fit for Vic Fangio. So what do you what do you try to look for in a cornerback in a Vic Fangio defense? Because like I was going back over some of the additions he made in Denver, and there really wasn't like a prototype that he went after. Do you think there's something that he particularly looks at? at a well, it's tough, especially for us trying to develop trends, just because we're not in that draft room. We don't know exactly the characteristics or the traits that they're looking for, but we can always identify the scheme that Vic runs, which is heavy man and coverage and guys that are really smart and love to tackle. So that's why I said guys like Darius Rush, Eli Ricks from Alabama. I think those type of guys are going to cater to Vic's scheme. Well, you play lighter boxes, you got to be able to tackle on the, back, the back end, right? So let's talk about that the box portion, the linebacker position. Who do you like as an off-ball linebacker for this defense? Yeah, this is a really interesting class just because we don't have that bona fide number one guy at the top. There's no Roquan Smith. There's no guys like that. But Dayan Henley from Washington let's State, Cougs, he's, baby. he's one that I like a lot. <laughs> um, Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati, he's kind of a chess piece on that second level that you can move around a lot. And then also Jack Campbell from Iowa, he's one that I like a lot too. It's tough, very good. Jordan Reed, ESPN, what are you guys working on right now? Anything coming up? A bunch of mock drafts, yeah. um, a bunch of draft discussions right now as far as what we're going to do right now. But I have a mock draft, a seven-round mock draft coming out at the end of this month, so be on the lookout for seven that. Seven rounds, all yeah. 256 picks. That Every single these one. Days? There you go. Jordan Reed, ESPN, <laughs> thank you for your time today. Thank you friend. for always, Travis. And away he goes. Very good stuff there from Jordan Reed. As always, interesting takes on the quarterback position, how he kind of approaches things from his experience as a D2 quarterback along the way. Always good perspective there from Jordan, the future lead draft analyst at ESPN. He is in line to uh, when Mel Kuyper moves on, Jordan is the guy. So very excited about him and his uh, future, his career. Let's go ahead and take our first break right here. We're going to come back on the other side. I did about 15 minutes with PFF's Trevor Sikama. Great conversation. Keep it tuned right here. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation.
Back here in Indianapolis for segment number two on the Thursday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. As promised, let's go ahead and get to my chat with PFF's Trevor Sikama. What's up, Dolphins? Back here once again at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis 2023. Here with Pro Football Focus's Trevor Sikama. Trevor, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. It's always good to be with you. Always good to be in Indianapolis. It's one of our favorite times of year, man, so I'm excited to talk some ball. We changed locations for the first time with you. we got the podiums here in the background. Players have wrapped up for the day. I think DBs are officially done, so yep. moving on to offense. But let's go ahead and go back to like the idea of roster building, because this is kind of the time of year where you talk about approaches and how teams do things differently, it's always fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the Dolphins kind of on this cycle of aggressive with draft picks and young players. And then last year it was the veteran trade market, mm-hmm. veteran free agent market. What's next for the Dolphins in their build? Yeah, I mean, uh, not to have a cop-out answer, but it's got to be a decent mix of both. You want to invest in those players, but the Dolphins kind of proved this year that they are that team that is on a playoff path, right? And so anytime that's the case, then if you see your winning window or if you are in your winning window, then it does make sense to say, hey, we've got a little extra draft capital or sorry, we've got a little extra salary cap. Let's go make a little splash here and there where we need to. Obviously, building the team in the most healthy way always comes through the draft. It comes through drafting players well, developing them well, getting them those second contracts. But there's no doubt about it. When you get to a point where you think, hey, we're right there. We've got a good roster already. You do start to sprinkle in a lot of those free agents. So maybe not as big of a splash as we saw last season with guys like Teron and Tyree coming in. But I do think that they're in a position where they can take that next step with having a good mix of both of those guys. I'm a big fan of using those late 20s picks on Tyree Kill because were you going to get a receiver better than Tyree Kill at that spot? <laughs> no, you were not. Were you going to get a better edge than Bradley Chubb in the 29th pick in the draft? No, you were I not. I don't think you were, so I like right. that approach a lot. And so you're, I think, interviewed number nine or ten of the week. I've asked this question a lot, and I get the same answer, so I'm not going to ask you the same question, but okay. it's what can the Dolphins do to improve the most on offense, and it's always the running game. What's the next step in the running game? So I'm going to ask you, how do they do that? How do they improve the running game this year? Uh, up front. I'm going to sound like, a, like an old school coach, but it, it is. It's up front. And I feel like the Dolphins have, you, know, you mentioned, draft capital, free agents. They have tried to get guys in there to figure out what that best five is. And I still feel like they have pieces, but they it, it's solidifying those guys in the right positions to where they are all a total cohesive unit. And I think that that is still something that's missing for them. I know people like to talk about, like, oh, let's add a great back in the draft. And you know, especially there's a lot of really exciting ones in this class that I'm sure we're going to talk about but before you get to those guys or you know even after you get to those guys you, you have to make sure the guys up front are doing their job that that unit is first and foremost the priority because then you get into the point where a lot of people talk about running backs like oh you can get them in all shapes and sizes right. you can get them anywhere in the draft that only works if you solidify the offensive line first so that definitely has to be the priority how confident they are with the guys that they have where they want to make their additions that would be my answer to that kind of like philadelphia right you have an offensive yes, line that can push 100%. anybody around and yes do you think you could have ran for a thousand yards in that backfield i don't think i could have <laughs> run for a thousand yards but i mean like maybe the you know the three yards before contact sure i could probably do that and before you get injured after right 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 it'd be like two total <laughs> plays most exactly. but uh I'd, I'd suit up for it so that's what we're looking for here so we have i think a, a good chunk of that offensive line but there's obviously i think every team's looking every year for additional offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Who do you like in this year's class right around that day two uh, range for Miami? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys, especially on the interior when I look at Miami's offensive line that could use some versatility. Steve Avila from TCU is somebody who I really like, play really well during the senior bowl. I mean, a guy like John Michael Schmitz, I think, is probably OT1 in a lot of people's minds from Minnesota. Brings a nastiness and a good mentality there to him. I'm sure that they would love to get their hands on a guy like, say, Osiris Torrance. I just don't think he's going to yeah. be available for them in the second round. So, I mean, those are two that really pop out to me immediately 
is, guys that can play a lot of different spots along the interior offensive line and play it really, really well. So they are guys who we saw in Mobile. They had really great senior bowls. They, they solidified themselves, I think, as those second-round kind of players. So those are two names that I'd definitely be that would definitely be on my radar for the Dolphins. You're our third interview today, Steve Avila by Jordan Reed, Ben Solak, and yourself. All been mentioned first off the board there. Uh, it's like you good guys, football player. It's like you good guys almost worked player. in the same company once before. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. Maybe it's a little hive mind between <laughs> yeah. us and we still don't even know it. Some some uh what's the subliminal group think there yes. from you guys yes. at the offensive line position. Let's talk about tight end and running back because Ben also mentioned the extra, you know, why tight end could be a big benefit for Miami in this year's class. I don't know if you see it the same way, who fits best there at that spot, but also the running back and tight end groups. What do you think there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good tight end group. You know, I really think there's a lot of different, we talk about shapes and sizes with all the different positions, but it seems like that's the case with Miami as well. You know, if they want more of a receiver, a guy like a Dalton Kincaid, a, a Luke Musgraves, those guys are right there. Kind of a hybrid of both of them, I would say, would be like a Tucker Craft from San Diego State. Um, obviously, Michael Mayer, people talk about him from, from Notre Dame as well. Again, not sure he's going to make it to the second round. Not all of these guys are going to make it to the second round but then there's to me the ultimate wild card in how do you view Darnell Washington from Georgia right like I love him he is a and you know we just talked about the offensive line right he feels like that sixth offensive lineman with how well he can block and so you get this guy who was featured a little bit more in the passing game this past year with Georgia which you love to see he's got crazy athleticism for his size at well, I don't know what he's going to measure in at, but we've got like six foot seven, 270 pounds, which is crazy the way that he moves for it, but he blocks like yeah. he's that size. And so really those are a lot of names to know at tight end, but it just depends. If you want a little bit more of a receiver, because the topic's around Gasicki, right? And I know a lot of people are talking about him, whether he's going to be on the team, whether he's not, and what you want to replace with that role if he is no longer on the team, or heck, if he is, what you can add to the tight end room as well. So I, I've talked about Darnell Washington in open space with that forearm shipper block where he just like wipes out a DB without it's even trying. ridiculous. <laughs> that, truly, I, I keep going back. The sixth offensive lineman, it feels like you have that. And when you have an offensive lineman that gives you that kind of versatility, that kind of strength on the line of scrimmage, it allows you to play all sorts of different multi-tight end yeah. packages. You can get guys that are a little bit more athletic that might be in your tight end room off the line of scrimmage, use them in the slot, better mismatch players so ton of flexibility if you get a guy like Darnell Washington you're essentially going tackle eligible with a guy that's 6'7 270 yeah. and can run a 4'6 right right, <laughs> right the ref's gonna be like wait is that guy eligible oh what no he's a tight end wait a second so that's what it feels like with Darnell talking about offense here let's stay on the offense talk about running back position because the Dolphins yeah Savon Ahmed Raheem Mostert Jeff Wilson and Miles Gaskin are all set to hit free agency we'll see what happens there in the coming weeks sure. but I've heard it's a great running back class as well how do you like the Dolphins' ability to kind of fill out that running back room? And going back to Jordan and Ben earlier today, they were completely uh, different. So you can kind of uh, maybe give us a rubber match. So there was like one speed, one power, yeah, like was yeah. one a little bit different. So, yeah. you know, like you mentioned the names that they have that are all up for free agency. You know, I figured they'll bring one or two of those guys at least back. But again, like it's a running back class where you can pick your preference. There's a lot of different kinds to choose from. I know people love to mock Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M to Miami Dolphins Trash just because speed. it's the speed, yeah. right? He's the fastest guy. He might run a 4-2 here in any later this week, cool. which would be absolutely exciting yeah. to see. But, you know, he's on the board there, but there's plenty of other great running backs, I think. You know, I love a guy like Tank Bigsby from Auburn. I feel like he's an all-around guy. Just didn't have a great offensive line in front of him, yet was still productive while he was at Auburn. He is a player who I think brings you that size, strength, speed combination that is not getting talked about enough, so I like him a lot. If you want a bigger back, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA is a guy who I really like as well. Uh, you smile like one of Jordan or Ben mentioned him as well. So, but it's hard. But it's hard. He's a, he, he's a, he's a great running back to love. But it's just there. There are so many to choose from, and I really do think, fortunately for the Dolphins, second round, third round, fourth round, sometime on day three, whatever it is, 
you're going to be able to get a good one because it is a pretty deep class this year. No, I smiled because Charbonnet, I feel like, is the one guy in college football this year where it's like they actually just, like, almost like Dave Wan said back in the early 2000s with Dolphins, give the ball to Zach Charbonnet and we'll see what else happens the and, rest of the way. And it was so funny watching Charbonnet, who is about six foot two, 225 pounds. He transferred from Michigan yeah. to UCLA. And it, it is truly funny because he looks like a Big Ten back <laughs> yes, that you yes. just plopped into the Pac-12. <laughs> and it's just a different style of player that he's just lower on the shoulder going through contact. And it's like, it's cool to see that smash mouth style of football in the Pac-12 because we don't yeah. often get that. All that air raid spread out stuff. You right, right. Just going straight up the middle <laughs> yeah. and these guys aren't exactly. used to it. Well, speaking of the running game, one uh, one thing the Dolphins did really well last year on defense was defend the run. Now we get Vic Fangio in, and I want to talk about the defense and some prospects there here in a second. But first, mm-hmm. I haven't asked anybody yet this question, but I'm curious to get your take on it. Is you know we've seen before these these young coaches bring in the veteran you know, either defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator sure. to kind of balance out that coaching staff. I think Sean McVay, Wade Phillips is a great example. Yes. Now you get Mike McDaniel, Vic Fangio. How can Vic help Mike get better at his job? Is all the experience and head coaching experience that he has? I mean, he's, he's like an NFL lifer, right? I mean, he's just seen it all. He's seen so much of the evolution of the game going all the way from a position coach to a coordinator up to head coach as well. And so, like, he gets it. And, and I think that, too, Fangio obviously is in Miami because he wasn't as successful as both he and the, the Broncos wanted him to be. But like learning from that experience could also be huge. Hey, Mike, here are the things that did not work, right? And, and being able to take that to Miami and helping him in that regard. But I love the Sean McVay, Wade Phillips connection that you brought up. I feel like that could be very similar. It felt like it was a match made in heaven for so much success. Uh, Phillips was able to get so much out of those superstars that were in Los Angeles. And I feel the same about Vic Fangio, who is one of the most respected defensive minds that we've seen in the game over the last couple of decades. So Fangio is one of the best. Love the combination of it. Love what I saw from Mike McDaniel last year as well. And it's kind of that old school, new school that might have a really great marriage in Miami. It's really fun to see the Dolphins just kind of get their targets the last couple of years, whether it was Tyreek, Mike McDaniel, now Vic Fangio. Teron Armstead was a big acquisition for yeah. us too. So yeah. kind of really getting our, our It's our fun ducks when you take here. the swing because everybody loves to talk about free agency sure. and coaches. <laughs> and they're like, what about this guy? What about this guy? And it's fun to take the swing and get him yeah, to get the exactly. hits, you know, when it all comes together. So I imagine. And now our roster, actually, I've been talking about this on the podcast. We have the most players on your guys' top 101 players list uh, since PFF started. So little plug there for PFF, a little plug there for the Miami So they better be good. Building. So they yeah, better be good. So bad, they, they better be good because they're going to make us look Exactly. Good. Well, our quarterback and top two receivers in the top 50 there. Um, let's go ahead and, and continue on that theme there because I've heard this, and this is something you see on Twitter, like, oh, Vic Fangio is going to make it better for the Dolphins' offense to practice against him. And that makes sense. Tell us why, though. Give us the, the explanation behind Yeah, that. I mean, I just think that Fangio is going to be able to throw a lot of different things at you. Again, like going back to his pedigree and how long he's been around in the league, he has figured out what works and what doesn't. And I think that Fangio is one of those defensive coordinators who understands timings of things, understands when to be aggressive, and is able to do that in advantageous situations. And so I really do. I think that it's a it's a great chess game. I come from uh, Tampa Bay. I used to cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when Todd Bowles was the defensive coordinator going up against Bruce Arians as a play caller and a head coach um, when they were kind of making their Super Bowl run, I had to imagine those practices were fun, man, going up against those two really smart minds. And I think that the iron sharpens iron quote that everybody talks about, that becomes very real when you get a offensive innovator like Mike McDaniel who was always trying to push the envelope, always trying to do things different. 
And I do feel like there are going to be times when Mike McDaniel maybe tries something and Fangio like already has an answer for it. And then like maybe from that, it's like, oh, okay, well, if I actually tweak this little thing, then there's not really a counter for it. And so just that back and forth is going to be, I think, really fun for him. Two uh, really smart guys. Oh, looking forward to seeing that. It kind of reminds me of like a, like the water boy when he's like on the board drawing up the yeah, play. Like, yeah. no, he fakes the fake. Yeah. He <laughs> doesn't fake. Yeah. He goes to he the left. To yeah, yes. <laughs> McDaniel just drawing that up is gonna all be... night long <laughs> yes. trying to figure out how to beat Vic Fangio's defense. So on the topic of Vic Fangio's yes. defense, we're here at the combine. We have to talk draft prospects. Uh, I think a couple of team needs I've seen a lot of folks mention is linebacker, like off-ball linebacker position. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the run defense was really good last year. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, you know, off the edge, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb and Emmanuel Ogba. Ray Qu like the, the hits keep coming up front, yeah. but you can maybe see some, some areas you can plop in some defenders in the back half of the defense. Linebacker, DB, let's go ahead and start linebacker. Who do you okay. like in that day two range for Miami? Well, the linebacker class is super interesting. And with Fangio doing a lot of different things in the defensive side of the ball, it opens up kind of a world of possibilities of the kind of player that he wants to draft. Because I was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day. For as much as there are a lot of linebackers to like, there's not a ton of like pure off-ball guys. You know, Henry Toto I think is one from Alabama. Jack Campbell is another from from Iowa. Uh, Dorian Williams from Tulane. Like those are three guys who are true off-ball linebackers. Like they're guys who are gonna play in the tackle box and they play that traditional off-ball linebacker position. But then you've got guys who are these hybrid players. You know, Drew Sanders from Arkansas is a guy who is kind of like an edge hybrid, off-ball linebacker hybrid. Trent Simpson feels like this like safety linebacker hybrid. Oh, uh, Demaria Demaria. And overshone from Texas, same thing, like this safety linebacker hybrid. And so you almost have these two buckets for the linebacker class of hybrid players and then more true off-ball in-between-the-tackle kind of players. And so it really just depends what kind of guy they want to go for. And those are a handful of the names that maybe are at the top that I think that they might be targeting with their couple of early picks that they have uh, on day two. So that kind of would be the way that I answer that question is depending on what they're looking for from that linebacker position, those are the two buckets that they could choose from. You kind of described Jerome Baker and Landon Roberts there, our current off-ball linebackers who play the most last year. It's you get the thumper and you get the coverage speed blitz guys. Right, kind of the same exactly. Idea there. Talking about the back part of the defense, and it's interesting because, you know, Josh Boyer and previously Brian Flores kind of built the defense back to front, and I would almost say that, that Fangio's defenses traditionally have been more front to back in terms mm. of the pressure because you got to get those four-man pressure packages, but yeah. in terms of defensive backs, what do you think they're looking for? Because the, the injuries at cornerback just it wiped out most of the room for us last right. year, so we were playing guys that, you know, pulling guys up from the practice squad and trying to just get snaps from guys that were healthy. What do you think they're looking for at cornerback this year? Thankfully for them, this cornerback class is really good and really deep. Like to the point where even though they're not picking in the first round, you could still get a starting cornerback in the second round. That's not often the case because corner is really becoming one of those premium positions in the league, especially the guys that can match up in man coverage. But, you know, in that second round, they're going to have the chance to pick a guy like Clark Phillips from Utah, um, Deontay Banks from Maryland, maybe an Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. There's just a ton of corners that they're going to still have the opportunity to select that really could be starters from day one um, on the opposite side of Howard. So I, just depending on how things play out for them and, and where they want to align guys. But it's just th this is a really good year to need a corner. And it, like it, for Miami's specific situation, again, even them not having a first-round pick, it's not the worst thing in the world. I really do think the cornerback class is the cornerstone or the, where you boast what the 2023 NFL draft is. There's so many good ones to choose from. And, yeah, okay, Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., they're probably going to be off the board. But 
That doesn't mean there's not going to be some great ones to get even on day two. I feel like people mention that about running back, tight end, corner, which is three of the needs that I've heard. That's yeah, it lines up very well for them. Is where yeah. we have our biggest needs, yep. you know, according to, to the expert tiger. So Trevor Sikama, PFF, what are you guys working on? What's coming up? Oh man, all kinds Everything. of stuff. I mean, like <laughs> we are, we are going hard on the draft guide which i tell people all the time like there's so many great draft resources out there but of course ours comes with our unique pff data so we're gonna be we've already released that but we're making updates to it as we get information here at the combine throughout all of draft season the pro days all that kinds of good stuff so Go check that out over pff.com if you don't have it already. You gotta go get the draft guide. It's the signature be great. stats they do, it's better than anything you'll find out there. It's it's so valuable to have where they play their snaps at all those resources. Yep. It's really valuable stuff, PFF. Trevor Sikama, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it, man. So there's an interview that with Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus. We are going to push off the Benjamin Solak interview until the Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I promise you will not want to miss that one. It's about 18 and a half minutes, and we're gonna go ahead and anchor our coverage with that sit-down because he was very informative and very really insightful on the Miami Dolphins operation, draft picks, offense, defense, and everything in between. So there you go. That's the end of the Thursday edition of the Drive Time episode from Combine here in Indianapolis. We're going to go ahead and call it an episode. Be back with you guys tomorrow for that Ben Solak interview as well as my own takes here on the draft that's next uh, let's go ahead and get out of here though in the meantime you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts. leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl follow the team at miami dolphins check out the fish tank podcast and all the podcasts on our international network and of course the youtube channel for media availabilities and dolphins today and last but not least for the written combine notebook check out miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline and cameron tomorrow daddy He's coming home.